0: Welcome to Environment Deep Dive, a series from the Civil Service Environment Network. Through this series, we aim to explain and explore the biggest issues in environmental policy, talking to experts on topics across climate change, sustainable development, natural resources, and biodiversity and ecosystems.
1: Hello and welcome to this Environment Deep Dive. I'm Justine solomons Moat from the Civil Service Environment Network and I'm excited to be joined today by Billy Rogers for a conversation on vertical farming. Billy, thank you so much for joining us. Um, would you mind introducing yourself and what it is that you do?
0: Um, yes, so I uh, work at a vertical farm in Bristol called Letters Grow and we design um, aeroponic technology there. work to create um Growing spaces inside vertical farms that can be kind of spread around and um, used in various kind of locations and scenarios.
1: Fantastic! So it sounds like you're the perfect person for us to find out about vertical farming from. Um, So let's start with the basics. Can you explain to us briefly what vertical farming actually is?
0: Um, Yes, sure thing. So it is um, a type of uh, controlled environment agriculture. Um, So you're growing indoors and you're kind of controlling all of the parameters that. might need that a plant would need to to grow so things like light temperature humidity yeah all of like the necessary things to that plants need to to get through their their life and yeah i guess that that, that's that's a uh, brief overview of
1: it <laughs> thanks for explaining that that's all really clear and um there are a couple of terms kind of associated with vertical farming I think you mentioned one of them um aeroponics and hydroponics could you maybe explain a bit about the difference between those
0: yes yeah, sure thing so h- hydroponics is is kind of the more common one which I think most people might have heard of there are kind of a few different types of hydroponics or, or like ways that you can do it but the basis of those two things are is just how you're um Irrigating and watering the plants. How you're kind of yeah getting the water and then also the nutrients or fertilizers to the plant roots. And so a lot of hydroponics is in general just submerging plant roots in water. So either you have kind of the roots in plants in pots or the roots just kind of submerged, hanging down, um, and then the water kind of flows up and flows down on kind of regular basis throughout, throughout kind of a day. Whereas aeroponics, um, you have the the same nutrient water combination um, and that's generated into an aerosol or like nutrient mist, um, which kind of adheres to the plant roots um, and then the plants can take up um, nutrients that way. And I guess the difference between those two is in aeroponics, the roots have access to the water nutrients, uh, but also have access to kind of gases and necessary things that they, other things that they need to grow as well.
1: Amazing. Thank you for that, Um, those definitions. That's really helpful. So to move us on, could you explain what a vertical farm actually looks like on the ground? So if we were walking around Let Us Grow, what would we actually be seeing?
0: Yeah, so inside um, a Let Us Grow vertical farm, you have have tiered systems, um, tiered kind of shelving, which um, is going up vertically. Um, as the name, and then you have a, a root chamber where your plant roots grow down into um, and then the shoots grow up and then the top of each layer you have um some LED lights and that's kind of yeah a, a single unit and then you have in our site you have four or five of those um and they go about to about two meters high and then that kind of similar to a warehouse um you have those units kind of as modular units sort of replicated throughout a whole a whole system.
1: Cool. That sounds really interesting. And I wish we were recording this podcast from the warehouse because it sounds more (laughs) fun than online. Um, Maybe next time. Um, And so how big is that roughly in terms of like um, square meters or um, how many plants are you growing? Can you give us like an idea of the scale?
0: Yeah. So at at our kind of research site in Bristol, we have have an R&D space where we're kind of trialing Growing different types of growing recipes, so just trying, trying different types of ways to grow the plants in the most efficient way. Um, and we're also looking at growing new technologies. And in that space, um, we've kind of we've got two sites, which is uh, one is a twenty-four meter squared kind of unit, um, and and another one is a forty-eight meter squared unit. Um, but then also alongside that, we've been started to grow in um, shipping containers too. Um, and the first one of those units is. Um, 24 meters squared and that's uh, yeah that's got a growing space and then also a preparation space um, as part of it so um, somewhere that that an operator can do the various tasks harvest so and then move everything into a into the growing space.
1: Cool Um, yeah that sounds really interesting and um, it would be great to learn a bit more about what you do specifically Um, so can you maybe give us a flavor of like what a typical day looks like for you and, yeah, what sort of activities you're doing in that space.
0: Yeah, sure, a day, a day in the life. Um, so, for, yeah, for me, I, I'm, I'm part of the growing team and part of that is uh, something that I do is help um, do growing trials to test the new iterations of the kit. Um, so, as I said, we have that. We have a new um, container farm, which was, yeah, recently built at, around the start of this year um, and then part of that was part of my work was um doing various growing trials to ensure um all of the aspects of that um container farm were were working well the environment was working the crops were growing how we expected them to grow and then also kind of in tandem to that um i'm also doing training and onboarding of various um people who are starting to get this get this equipment and starting to grow in a vertical farm or a kind of controlled environment or environmental space, which is um yeah, it's really interesting um side of the job. Actually you kind of get to see <laughs> the farms in various different locations of people trying to do quite a lot of different things, which is yeah, it's really interesting the, the projects that are out there at the moment.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a really fascinating um area to work in. Um, and building on that, I'd be interested to know a bit about what type of person typically works in vertical farming. So are they established farmers who are just kind of doing new techniques, or are they people with more sort of like scientific or engineering backgrounds? So, would you be able to tell us a bit, maybe about your own background and how you came to work in vertical farming, and then also what are the backgrounds of the people that you work with?
0: For me, it was um, it was quite a lucky sort of scenario of how I got into vertical farming. That so I studied at Bristol University and studied biology in various units on science, and I knew that. Sort of plants and food as a whole was a general area that I wanted to to get into and then um just very luckily stumbled across Us Grow in quite early stages and did an internship there and have now been there for um yeah coming up to four years so that's 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 sort of my background of a I guess a bit more of a research science side of life I think because because it is quite a new technology and, in, and a new in the UK anyway and it's a there is quite a lot of people on that side of the more like development, trying to understand it, trying to optimise it um, side of life, trying to, yeah, create new projects in various spaces. But there, there is starting to come into it are the larger, kind of more established growers who are, who are seeing the value that, that like part of that puzzle piece can add to their, the whole picture of what they're doing.
1: That's really interesting. It sounds like it must have quite a diverse sort of workforce so okay I think we've covered the basics of like what vertical farming is what it looks like and who does it um let's move on to talk about some of the benefits so from your point of view what are sort of the main advantages of vertical farming
0: I think I think a lot of the benefits um come from vertical farming and this kind of level of controlled environment agriculture um that is it is essentially a closed system so you you really are in control of um, what's going in and what's coming out. A basis of that is you can you there's no use of pesticides um and um no runoff of any of anything else coming up coming off the land. And then it being a closed system you're also recir- recirculating um your water and your nutrients around your system. So there's kind of very minimal wastage of those two components. So that's it in inside of on the side of it being like a, a closed system. And then to the To the fact to the extent you're you have the ability to kind of control and fine tune all of the various um, yeah elements of growing temperature humidity light and um, even kind of supplementing with co2 you can in general see an increase in yields compared to other types of farming um, and then on top of that increase in yields, you don't get the hit of Kind of seasonality across the year in these systems you can yeah you can kind of grow consistently all year round expecting kind of the same same yield that you're getting i guess i guess one of the, one other part of it is you can bring these different sites that's one of the things with the, sh- with the shipping container that it's it's a a very movable unit that can be transported very easily in the nature of it um and so in growing in shipping containers you can you can have these growing sites a lot closer to where consumption is going to happen. Um, so bringing food closer to consumers, um, and yeah, kind of helping to stabilize that yeah, the connection between those two.
1: Great. Um, so it sounds like vertical farming obviously has so many advantages. Um, and actually, um, the shipping container project that you mentioned sounds really interesting. Can you maybe just explain a bit more about why that's come about and what it's sort of doing where the shipping containers are and <laughs> um, just any more about that project it sounds really fascinating
0: yeah so shipping containers um I think they came about because yeah they're they're a unit that can be I guess these sort of test test case projects in quite well and it, it's being done shipping containers um are being used kind of in the vertical farming scene worldwide so I think yeah, there's, there's 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 some sort of appeal about them that um, for for growing, which I think yeah, one of them is being able to just pick up and move, and the other one is I guess like um modularity that you can you can have a smaller farm with just one shipping container, or you can have several and and kind of create like a much larger facility. The project that we're working on we called uh, the Drop and Grow, and it is yeah, it's just it's moving our bringing our aeroponic technology into a um, shipping container and yeah the idea is that these can be yeah placed in various scenarios around the uk for people to start growing and start doing yeah lots of different things at the moment the, what, the first one that we've got out is placed at a university campus in bristol it's with kind of being being run by one of their i think they're one of their business entrepreneur students and they're running that um, they're running that growing site and kind of helping to deliver food to the university as well as a lot of small businesses around around the university.
1: Cool. That sounds like a really exciting project. Um, so we've talked a bit about the advantages of vertical farming. Um, so it'd be good to kind of look on the flip side and talk about maybe some of the challenges or limitations that might be with this approach. Um, firstly, are there any kind of limitations on the type of food you can grow in a vertical farm?
0: I think, in in general, the type of food at, at the moment is um, you can grow kind of a full a full spread, and like one of the things that we're doing at the moment is really working out what trying to explore lots of different things, what you what you can grow, looking at um, leaf leafy greens, salads and herbs, um, but then also trying um, some fruiting crops, quite a quite a wild one, which is but it's quite nice. It's, um, some tree whips, so kind of the early juvenile stages of trees that can then be planted out um, in kind of reforestation projects and things like that. So having a kickstart to a tree's life. But more, I guess, more commonly seen to grow is, is these higher value products um, like leafy greens, herbs, microgreens, things like that. They're higher value because of because of the inherent the cost at the moment around vertical farming. So there needs to be, you need to have that value output. Um, and it's things that have sort of shorter growing cycles, so ranging from a week to a month or two because of the energy costs that are going into the lighting and um, powering the air conditioning systems.
1: Mm, and that's a really good point, actually, is the sort of a big burden in terms of the energy and electricity that you need to kind of keep a vertical farm going?
0: Yeah, energy is, is something that is just tied, tied with vertical farm with vertical farming because you have to power all of those components as i said yeah it's something that we're looking into as well of creating a of of that drop and grow container a life cycle assessment so really understanding the impact of yeah all of your energy inputs and outputs from that and one of the key things for that is um for these systems to become sustainable they it's, it's a full reliance on renewable energies and incorporating renewable energies with running these systems because otherwise it doesn't really make, make a lot of sense.
1: Mm, of course yeah that makes sense. Um, and next a really important question. Um, what is the difference in taste between some food grown in a vertical farm versus taste of food grown the traditional way? Is there any difference?
0: I don't think so not not at all really. I think um, there's definitely it's definitely something that people are are wary of when we when we've done various conferences or had stalls in places that's something that comes up quite a lot that everyone's thinks that it should be i guess maybe because it's sort of feels a bit lab grown a bit sci-fi that it's gonna be maybe um yeah um, not tasty floppy salad but i think it is, um yeah i don't think there is any difference um to it i think in having these controlled environments you can really tailor each of the conditions to kind of the optimum for certain type of plant that you want to grow you can tweak various things to have different outcomes in in flavor and taste as well there are different ways throughout the crop cycle that you can adjust lighting to affect flavor and various different things and I think an, an interesting another interesting thing that can be considered with these is sort of supplementation to, um, or tailoring growing growing environment to make sure that um the plants are kind of high in very various nutrients um that you that you'd want yet yeah, to ta- to tackle various things like malnutrition so taste the taste itself is isn't isn't different and I think there's a lot of scope to kind of um, maximize on what you're getting out from those crops because you can there's a lot of control there
1: mm, that's really fascinating and reassuring to hear that it's just as nice and would you say there are any other kind of main disadvantages or challenges in terms of vertical farming?
0: I guess one of the main ones at the moment is also engagement with vertical farming and um understanding that it is going to be part of the answer to kind of re-looking at our food systems. it's not the it's not the sole thing at all, but it's it's definitely part of the part of the answer um and rather than but, uh, yeah, sci-fi idea that people are a bit wary of. I think, if it, yeah, it's getting, it's getting people more on board with the idea of growing like that and growing projects like that. Mm.
1: And are there any particular groups that you're finding it's hardest to engage? Is it kind of the general public with that sort of, um, as you say, maybe a misconception around vertical farming? Or is it sort of governments? Like, who do you sort of still need to convince
0: yeah, I think well I think I think it's both to be honest. Um in yeah, in, in both ways. I think in general public there's yeah, there's it's just one of those things that I think it just needs to become more in the like in the general in the general thought and general considered things for it to become more and more accepted and understood. Um and then I think on on, on the government side, this because it is so new, there's not there's not a huge amount of kind of policy out there around Around vertical farming, and as with with lots of more standard agriculture, um, there's lots of subsidies there to to kind of provide that. But for vertical farming, there isn't. So again, just it, I think just bringing it as part of the as part of the yeah part of the whole picture of things is is, yeah something that is is definitely a barrier to bring it. But you see it, it, it's it's a big part of lots of different countries. And in the USA, they've been uh, maybe a step ahead with kind of some larger much larger growing kind of indoor indoor farms, and then of course um the Netherlands as well, who have got like amazing greenhouses and other types of indoor indoor agriculture, so it's yeah, I think it's just getting it to that point
1: mm, that's really interesting. Is this something that people can do at home in you know gardens or on balconies or even indoors um and if so, like how would people start doing that?
0: yeah, it definitely is, I think um yeah, I think. Everyone should everyone should definitely have a have a go at um yeah, growing in all types of capacity really. But I think there's a lot of there's a lot of cool little kits that you can get, um, which I think that you can put them on like kitchen counter or uh yeah or yeah, or, or on your windowsill, which are yeah, various types of hydroponic setup, um, which are either just yeah, just hydroponics or sometimes they have additional LED lights that you can yeah, which will which will help you help your plants grow but i think yeah i think it's it's definitely it's definitely there's definitely a lot of stuff out there for people to get to grips with um i think also ranging in quite wildly in price i think there's some ikea things that are relatively cheap and then you can get several hundred pounds <laughs> setups that you might that you might you some people might want to start using
1: amazing i might even give that a go um <laughs> and- Another question we have is how widespread is food grown from vertical farms at the moment? You know, for instance, if we go to kind of the major supermarkets, are we likely to be buying food that's been grown in a vertical farm um, or is it not quite that widespread yet?
0: Yeah, it's good. It's, it's a good question. Um, yeah, there are several cases where of uh, um, where you can buy um, vertical farms food. I think M&S... Um, I think they've I think they're tied with um a company in London called Growing Underground who um yeah they're based in Clapham I think um and I think they're selling yeah they're selling to um to some of the big supermarkets and it's interesting the big supermarkets are are definitely one um that are pushing it that are pushing their kind of involvement and engagement with with vertical farming because I think for them they've been hit hard by various supply chain issues and yeah, throughout this last year and um, last few years, so it's definitely something that sort of seems like to be a priority for them to kind of investigate and start to incorporate um, in their in their shops and yeah, in various various scenarios.
1: That's really interesting. So we might be eating lots of food from vertical farms already and not even realizing it. And um, it'd be great to get your insight as a as a vertical farming expert on what the future sort of looks like for this industry. For instance, do you think vertical farms are going to become much more widespread? Are they going to completely replace traditional farms or is it sort of more complicated than that? What what do you think the future holds?
0: I think, um, I don't think they'll ever completely replace traditional farms. I think it's, vertical farms are definitely part of a sort of a whole wider solution. So it'll be, I think, yeah, they'll be incorporated into, um, yeah, larger, larger farms. Um, one of the real pushes soon will be um, realising kind of different, different types of technology out there for vertical farming. As we said, there's yeah, various types of hydroponics, various types of aeroponics, various ways of controlling your environment, environmental conditions. As we continue to do that and work out what the best thing for each type of plant that you get, will have, yeah, very specific solutions for kind of type of crops. So you might have a watercress farm that is sort of partly outdoors, partly indoors, um, and using a certain method of, yeah, a certain method of vertical farming, and, and then maybe an indoor basil farm that's somewhere else. I think, yeah, I can definitely see that being being a possibility. But um, yeah, it's really, at the moment, it's it's an exciting time because people are interested and and engaged with it. And it's, but it's still something that's to an industry that in the UK anyway has got quite a lot of growing to do. So it's yeah, it's an exciting time.
1: Yeah, definitely. It sounds like vertical farming will definitely have a major role um, to play in the future of agriculture. And um, finally, um, many listeners of this podcast are actually policymakers and civil servants. Um, so we're just wondering what messages, if any, you have for them in terms of how they should be thinking about vertical farming or any action that you'd like to see them take?
0: Yeah, I think, um, well, as, as I said earlier, I think part of it is just, yeah, it's just bringing it into more of the everyday everyday conversation and everyday idea that it could be a realistic. Solution to some some aspects of it, and I think, yeah, <laughs> policy-wise, I'm not I'm not 100 sure. I think it's something that's slightly outside of my thinking, but it is it's something that's very multifaceted, and different different things can influence uh, and impact it in in various different ways. I think, as we said before, with renewable energies, if if we started to have a rollout of much much cheaper renewables something that's coming in time I think that's something that would make quite a big difference um to the feasibility of vertical farms because it is the energy cost the initial energy cost is um yeah it's something that is at the moment having to be balanced but in time as renewables become cheaper as the technology becomes more and more efficient um yeah the the equations will ba- balance a lot better I think
1: mm, absolutely so it's really sounding like vertical farming is such a kind of complex area and definitely deserving of more sort of time and attention um, so i think that brings us to the end of this deep dive um, so i just want to finish by saying thank you so much billy for sharing your expertise and insight um, i found it to be a really fascinating conversation and um, thank you to everyone who is listening as well i hope you found it interesting
0: great thank you We hope you've enjoyed this environment deep dive. You can head to Season online for more content, events and networking opportunities. Make sure to subscribe to us on Twitter, YouTube and your favourite podcast app so you can keep an eye out for new episodes coming soon.